Hey everybody, welcome back to the Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast, where it's all about learning from the best minds in the sport so you can train smarter, stay healthy, and run faster now. And here's your host, Will Musto. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. When you stretch, micro tears occur in your muscles and obviously that's not a good thing. That's quickly becoming common knowledge in the exercise industry. So what's the solution? Phil Wharton, along with his father Jim, pioneered a standard known as Active Isolated Flexibility, or AIF. The short version of AIF is that you need to dynamically stretch in order to achieve proper musculoskeletal balances that will allow you to stay healthier and train in a more consistent fashion for a longer period of time. The long version? That's going to be covered on this week's show. Phil Wharton was a young runner when he developed a particularly bad and painful case of scoliosis, that is, curvature of the spine. In his quest for correcting the problem, he and his father became musculoskeletal specialists and eventually therapists with a secret to allowing the body to work on its own. By the way, Phil, through AIF, corrected his scoliosis and then was able to train himself to a 223 marathon personal best, too. Here are some of the things we plan to talk about. One, the best practices of stretching. Two, how to use active isolated flexibility to avoid injury. Three, the role diet plays in your training, and four, how to deal with and heal the ever-irritating malady, plantar fasciitis. As always, to check out any of the resources we might mention during the show, check out runnersconnect.net slash rc30. That's the letter R, the letter C, and the number is three zero. So we're here with Phil Warden of Warden Health, Warden Performance Health, and, uh, once again, the short URL for visiting on the website, any resources we discuss in the interview or anything else will be www.runnersconnect.net slash rc30. Uh, that's the letter R, the letter C, and then the number 30. And uh, Phil, I've given a little bit of an introduction here, um, but in your own words, you know, how did you get started? How did you get started running? And then uh, how'd you progress as an athlete and then eventually into the musculoskeletal field? Thanks, Will. First of all, it's a pleasure to be here. And thanks so much for having me and and giving me the opportunity to share uh, with everybody out there. Um, I started as a young runner. My dad got me into running. We'd moved around a lot. And in moving from uh, Texas and Mexico, where my grandfather was Mexican, so I spent some time down there. And in moving to West Virginia, there wasn't soccer. I'd become a soccer fanatic. I was always an athlete. First word was ball, loved it. Anything athletics, you know, baseball, BMX, biking, skateboarding. Um, I spent most of the whole fifth grade skateboarding. I mean, I just love sports. So um, with running, it was my dad that got me into it. He was a hurdler in high school and then was an architect uh, through most of his life and wasn't an athlete. Got back when he turned 40 got back into running and said, hey, you should run with me now that we moved to West Virginia, back where his home is. And he was building some houses up in the mountains. And he said, you know, this is a great sport. I think you might be good at it. You've always been a fast runner, stealing bases and running to a soccer ball. 
this might connect, you know, and I said, you know, I, it's not a game, it's boring, You're the typical athlete going to running, right? And so then we would race each other, and the racing was cool. And then I remember doing some secret training. He would always beat me. He was such a great sprinter. So we'd run together in the races, like road races. This was like 1980, to date myself here. I'm pretty old. So, um, you know, 1980 we started, and I would, out, I would be out sprinted by him every time. And then I started training on my own, and I won a race. I out sprinted him, and I got the bug, and I loved it. And he encouraged me, and the rest moved on, and I ran really well in high school, but I always got a bunch of injuries. I was always one injury to the next. I still run, ran decent enough to get a scholarship and, uh, and was, was, um, went to Santa Fe Community College, which is a feeder school at the University of Florida. And after um, running there for two years, I developed a functional scoliosis, which is a curvature of the spine. And the docs at University of Florida, when I went there, I was in back pain for about a year and a half, two years, all in. So from the time it started to when it ended, wanted to do the typical surgery, which was Harrington rod surgery, which is stabilized with wires and, and uh, support beams to get the spine to a more neutral position and, 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 and reduce the curve. Anything you know, over 23 degrees, and mine was 33 degrees, is usually a surgical fix. So in this process, in this quest, my dad was at that time a coach, had been back, got his master's in exercise physiology as I started running well, really got the bug too. He was running again and saw that, hey, there's not a gap as much in coaching. There's a gap in how do you keep the athletes healthy? With, with my son being in pain and my heart goes out to other athletes being in pain, and that's where we, he saw the disconnect. And so um, we both... Um, were searching and no therapy seemed to hold. I went all over the country trying to find things that worked and this old-fashioned kinesiotherapy, this musculoskeletal therapy, similar to what we do now, was the only thing that gave long-term relief. And I saw my scoliosis of 33 degrees go down to less than one degree and then completely straight within that two-year process that I started working with these exercises, these simple exercises that we help uh, bring out from, I guess, the therapeutic consciousness into more of, of the popular domain from uh, fitness and physical therapy and, and, of course, athletics and the sport we love, which is running. So in my process of getting healthy, uh, I was a journalism student and, and wanted to be a disc jockey, loved music in college, and totally changed my whole career and went back and studied all types of therapies and became certified in many of them. And, uh, and started sharing this with my friends who were, happened to be great athletes at University of Florida. And we had great teams there and we did really well in spite of the back pain I was in and out of. I couldn't train over the summers and had to cross train and all these typical things that athletes that are injured go through. And I wanted to make a difference and try to stop that or break that cycle that I saw broken in myself. And so that's how sort of our our group was born. My my father was at the same time, and and uh, we um, had such great success, especially in the 1992 Olympics. We had uh, when I started in therapy around the late 80s, uh, 1988. In 92, we had 11 of our athletes medaled. We had 33 athletes that made it to the games, and 11 of them medaled. And as a, if we were a country, we would have been like in the top 10. So we realized, hey, we got to get this work out to more people. And, and more importantly, in a broader context, we were helping people that had been ambulatory, people that had just been hit by a car, people that had uh, suffered whiplash, people that were 
chronically, chronically in pain on the same table next to a Dennis Mitchell or a Michael Johnson or a Ben Johnson. You know, so it was really cool, the empowerment that was happening across the board where people were learning from each other and saying, hey, I can do this. It's all about the expression of the human spirit, and that's, that's what really does the healing. And so we saw that this simple work uh, could change people's lives, and we realized we needed to either move to New York or move to California to LA to get our work out to more people. We we had a context of New York, and we moved there and able to publish our books. And we were invited by Fred LeBeau from the uh, um, the Roadrunners Club initially to do work uh, with the club there and with the marathon and with the American College of Sports Medicine. So it was sort of a uh, in 1993 we moved to New York and sort of. Uh, took off and, and, and the work started to get out there and, and become something that I guess is, is known today. So it's been a fun, a fun process of, of helping people uh, travel, uh, working with athletes and, and seeing people go through that full tour of breaking that chronic pain cycle, which has been rewarding for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you actually have a little bit of an elite athlete background yourself too, right? You know, I, I, uh, I never thought I would be able to run again. I was um, a, a, a very good runner in high school, uh, a decent runner in college, and uh, was uh, a member of our teams that won the South Asian Conference Championship, which was a hard conference to win. And so, uh, you know, I did decently, but I always thought I could, I could be more, I could do more. But the injuries never let me train in a rhythm, always having to take breaks. As we know, if you're not consistent, you can't improve. So that was the thing is like, okay, um, once I got onto this work, I saw there was an exchange where I could still do some of my own running too and get to have these opportunities I never would have had, like go and live with Moses Tanui, who won Boston two times and was two-time world championship, world champion in, in Kenya and, and be over there and be trained by Dr. Rosa, who trained all the greats like Paul Turgot and Moses and all them and, and run on the FILA team and all these things I got to do that I wouldn't have gotten to do from my times in college, but I got to do because I was also working. And that was a really fun thing for me because I always had that balance of, being able to do my running, but also share and give back at the same time. So for me, that really fed me spiritually uh, and, and also um, uh, athletically. So yeah, I, I I got down to 223 in the marathon. I ran that time three times. I was consistently running 140 miles a week uh, at, at, when I was in Kenya, running with the with the African guys right in the camp. Uh, I I'm sure I overtrained for me. I wasn't I wasn't the talent that could have handled that. But it was a great learning curve because I knew how to stretch the limits of my body, and now I know so much how to advise and 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 help people manage their energy, which is a very important thing with with time intensity duration. Was we're so busy in our daily lives, getting out there and uh, sitting all day being compressed in the body and then jumping out wanting to train, there's little secrets that you can learn how to take breaks and, and, and mitigate that energy and even it out, so to speak. So those are some of the great things I learned from, from, from doing that at a high level at myself. Awesome. Yeah. And, and we'll actually talk a little bit more later about, you know, what some of those secrets might be. Um, you know, I've always kind of viewed you you know, ever since I kind of learned about you and started and, and read about you and your dad and, and got got some knowledge of your books and stuff several several years ago, I, I kind of viewed you guys as pioneers in your field. Um, and, and I don't know if you guys see that, but or think of yourselves that way. But what you know, what kind of made you guys decide to look and say, well, I'm injured. You know, uh, stretching may or may not be a waste of time. 
but like let's try stretching a different way let's 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 tweak it a little bit and see what that does what what led to that well you know it, it was really through the personal struggle i think it was a lot of it came from my father and myself through my personal struggle and seeing others struggling and we were always doing it that way if we look at the context of stretching you know the word itself we know now is a misnomer we don't want to overextend those fibers we realize now that a lot of the research is showing that hey if you hold muscle fibers out for long periods of time like that australian institute of sports study we, the fibers at the tennis joint intersection or at the attachments will fray, will they'll weaken like a rubber band held out too long. But we didn't know that before. We were always, we, we had built from uh, Dillinger's book, you know, back in the Oregon system, we had built one of those little wedge boards. You know, so, so standing on that wedge board, standing there for like, okay, two minutes, three minutes, ten minutes, you know, trying to lengthen those calf muscles out. You know, pushing down the VW, putting the leg up on something where you've got the back muscles against the two-joint hamstring, against the calf, all in a tug-of-war. We thought we could breathe through that. We realize now that, hey, all muscles work in pairs. You can't do that. There's a simpler way. And when we were enlightened by this, by my teacher, Aaron Mattis, who had studied with Dr. Sh Dr. Shelton and Dr. Curden, that really developed this in the 1960s and then before that in the 40s there was a group of nurses in the war that were helping people in the war ambulatorily that were losing limbs and getting them back through this kinetic activity it was so we saw this as wow we have a personal responsibility to help people as we were helped to share the work we were two guys who were single at the time father and son we were able to travel that was helpful. We were able to work around the clock. We enjoyed, you know, we were getting energy from helping people, and that was that was key. Uh, we were living uh, very, uh, I would say, low profile in New York City. We had a small little. Um, uh, at first, we had loft beds above our clinic. We still our our center is still at 51 West 81st Street, uh, across from the park, Central Park. So we have a small center there. My father is still there, and so. Uh, injured people and athletes would come around the clock and and we lived together and 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 athletes would come in and out so it would make it simple for us to be accessed and that was important to us and and still is so um yeah it was a personal responsibility as we were helped to share it i think that was the big the big key there cool yeah and uh you know i don't think anybody would dispute that it's been that that line of thinking that new new line of thinking if you know, maybe going back, obviously, to, to World War II era, but as an athlete, a new line of thinking right. is, uh, it's been huge. You know, you've got all these athletes who go from being, you know, practically unable to get out of bed in the morning to, you know, Olympic trials top three or four six weeks later, two months later. And that's it's the body, Will. It's so, the body is miraculous. And, and all we're doing is creating the circulation, the blood flow, the vascularity, to open up those pathways and reduce the fascial ischemia, which is all that, that fascia, that connective tissue, that those muscles can get distorted from overuse, from underuse. So from both ends of the spectrum, from the ambulatory that needs to get out and get off the couch and move and can't because they've had an injury or they have a heart event, to the athletes that push in the envelope and training too hard that needs to back off and get restored. And so we thought before that, hey, more was better with flexibility too. We could push that stretch reflex, that Golgi tendon response that happens after a, a, just even, even a moment. We're realizing now it's, it's half a second to a second and a half. 
we thought we could override it. The research has finally caught up. Well, in the 80s, there wasn't any funding to, to research stretching. It, it's not life-threatening, right? So it's like, okay, yeah, a company would say, hey, yeah, Jim and Phil, if you'll endorse this, this machine or something, then we'll do your research for, for flexibility. Well, finally, because of, I think because the baby boomers got older and more and more people had these compressional injuries like we're seeing from the, the, the issues of sitting and the computer work, longer hours, all this stuff. Now people are looking at these issues musculoskeletally and that's why we have more data and more clinical trials and more double-blind studies. And so at first when we started, we were preaching to the choir. says, oh, no, we've always held a stretch. You know, it's always been this way. This is the way you have to do it. And we knew we weren't scientists, but we were getting amazing results. Right. The athletic field to in the clinical setting. And we said, you know what? We've just got to keep getting it out there to people. And eventually it's going to catch up. Well, 2013, it's finally caught up. <laughs> you know, so many years later, but it's been a fun journey. Yeah, and you know, you kind of touched on on what what I have scheduled as our next next question. And I, I'm actually I coach at the high school level, and I oh. you know I I try to uh, I, I've had athletes, you know, how high schoolers are they they know everything, and so I've had athletes like almost get in my face, like Coach, what do you mean stretching's not not worth it? Like, Just listen, yeah. like all that stuff we do before practice, all that stuff we do after practice. Uh, you know, like that—that that is stretching. Like, no, it's not. Like, yeah, I, I promise you. Um, and, and you know, we—I've been really fortunate. I've coached for two full school years now, um, right. cross country and track, and I've had very little injuries, which has been—it's been fun. Uh, but kind of one—you uh, you talked about how you know you see these huge results, and and that's one thing. The most uh, tangible kind of in, in my life that I've seen is. My my dad for twenty something years has had sciatic nerve issues, yes. and uh, several years ago, I you know like I said when I first started reading about you, I saw that you had a book specifically for back stretching, yep. and I picked it up off of uh, some used book website for like three dollars. There you go. And uh, I gave it to my dad for like Father's Day, and he was like, "What is this?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I was like, I you know I don't know. People say their stuff works. Um, just." Just try it for for two weeks. Try it, and if it doesn't work, like throw the book away. You know, it only cost me a couple bucks. Right. Um, but like, just try it because people say it works. And I'm not in a. I, I was a collegiate athlete at the time. I was like, I'm not in a situation where I can just like try stuff. But you're you're having to go to a chiropractor once a week. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't like function. Exactly. And he was like, okay. So he did it for like two weeks, and then he called me and was like, hey man. Uh, I've been doing I've been doing those stretches that you gave me and like they work. Wow. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I, I actually I skipped the chiropractor this week. Wow. Um, and you know like he still he he still goes and gets adjusted. Right. Uh, but when when he semi regularly now does even you know a couple years later he when he semi regularly does these those back stretches he doesn't have any you know he goes he goes and gets adjusted like once every couple months and makes sure everything's. Everything's in order, but he can, he can maintain himself. That's right. How how does that you know? It's almost like a miracle. Like how 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 does that even work? 
Well, you know, in, in the case of the piriformis, we've come to know that, uh, and actually sciatica has been relabeled by major medical to piriformis syndrome, because in some cases, the piriformis muscle, as you know, can weave through the sciatic nerves, just in the nomenclature, how we're designed, how genetically. So to reset that, if those fibers, if, the, if, that, if those A and Z bands, if we think about muscle fibers, should be polarized, if they come together at random and form those knots, adhesions, trigger points, whatever you want to call them, and their compression on that nerve, it's constant pain or intermittent pain or maybe radiculopathy they call it, where it goes down the leg or up the back can be debilitating. A lot of times they'll MRI the back, find out, okay, the discs are fine, it's localized to that area in the lateral hip. So just by doing a crossover position like we have in the book, like we have in the new DVDs, where the leg comes up and goes over, and you're using the pump of its own vascularity as all muscles work in pairs, as we were saying before, as the quad works and the inner thigh works to take that leg up and over, it's relaxing and lengthening. So notice we're saying it's relaxing and lengthening that whole lateral hip and piriformis area. Different than trying to stretch it, like if I was pushing against something and then crossing one leg over the other like we used to do, that exercise like this, well, we were against the wall we were going like this. Remember that one? Okay. Yeah. We are stretching the lateral hip, no doubt, but we're not working the adductor muscles to really release to get that elongation response and relaxation response here. Rather, we could be on our back, and I, I did bring a table just to show a couple things for everybody at home, but in the piriformis case, because this is great that your father did, if he used the quadricep to bring the leg up, and then about 90 degrees, use the adductor to come over and use the breath. The breath brings vascularity and blood flow right into that area. So now in that hip, he'll get some oxygen and blood in there to reset those fibers and help them polarize naturally. Then he'd, he'd get onto some strengthening. He may not be doing that yet, but see, stabilizing that glute medius. And I happen to bring some weights here too, man. So we got a simple ankle weight. This is not rocket science stuff. This is anything you can get. And you don't, you don't need specific physical therapy weights. You can get at any sporting goods store. There's some of the ones you can take the pegs out to change the increment. But you can take a, uh, a sock, also a soccer sock. But you can strengthen that glute medius. And that's the main stabilizer of the hip, of the pelvis. And then also it would be the adductor on the opposite side and some of the gluteals sort of globally around what we call the extended core and get him flexible and strong so that he doesn't have to keep uh, getting that nerve compression. And, and, right. and, and so it's so simple. Why didn't we think of this before? We're not, you know, what's really cool about this musculoskeletal therapy work, and I think part of it was that a lot of our major medical uh, modalities got pushed into 15-minute win windows of treatment. And so it, it was hard with this type of work at first because we're looking more globally at the body as a system and getting people to understand there's a template for the body. It's sort of an algorithm like you use with, a, with developing a website like Runners Connect. It's the same thing with the body. It's the same thing with the body. So if we look at the body and we see, okay, somebody's a little out of alignment or they're forward, they're rounded shoulders in kyphosis, we know that that pelvis is going to be off. We know that the, the hip, if they're standing always to one side or even putting too much pressure on one side. So all these little musculoskeletal imbalances that we're doing all day in repetitive stress 
lead us to dysfunction when we're doing our activity, whatever that activity may be, and especially with running where we have all that joint stress, um, and in his case, uh, uh, you know, the pain right there in the lateral hip, you can take that out just by bringing the circulation back. So that's the simple way to break this work down is it works how the body works. It realizes that all muscles work in pairs. It's not trying to get you into a fancy exercise. It's realizing that we've got to get you functioning first before we can go into functional training. So it's taking a step back. A lot of times I do that with the great athletes. I'll get them on their side and I'll have them do abductors and adductors, simple exercises, at first without weight, just their body weight. And at first they'll say, look at me like, hey, this is the wrong exercise. My, my, my leg is stronger than that. I've been in a machine doing this. Hey, some of the machines are not designed properly. They're designed to get us through a line in a gym, but they're not designed to isolate the muscular tendons attachments and the way the ligament flips over the bony prominences. They're just not. And so it's it, you, when you come back to the basics, the basics are always so good, just like in running. That's what I love about the correlation. You know, the simple stuff still works. The simple yeah. stuff still works. You've got to build an aerobic base. You've got to build structural integrity. You've got to build flexibility and strength or else you're going to have a breakdown. Somewhere along the line, that body was telling you, hey, <laughs> oh, you know, when it warms up, it feels better. I'm good. Hey, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm going to break down if you don't fix me. If you don't yeah. put a little money in the bank, you keep making withdrawals and you've got to make those deposits. And those are the little, now we've broken those into small windows of time, realizing that everybody's so busy. And that's the cool factor. Instead of, yeah. instead of trying to fight that, like when I was growing up as a kid, I was like, you got to do everything because I did everything. I had a bad back, you know, and I want everybody to get better. And now I've realized, hey, let's catch them where they are. If they're if they're yeah. if, if they're sinking downstream, let's let's grab them and give them one little tool, one little tool, and we can break it into smaller windows at time. Like with your with your high schoolers, we have ten minute programs and five minute programs, and that's key for them because time is yeah. a big issue here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so so it really uh, it's as simple from a from a physiological standpoint of. Just you're getting more oxygen to those muscles and those fibers and letting them do their thing more, basically. Exactly. Be more natural. That compression is really just like a tourniquet, and it shuts down a certain area. A great example is the calf uh, or a question uh, that, that came up, uh, uh, lower leg injuries. Um, a lot of it is the calves are so tight because the gluteals are shut down. As we're not using our posterior muscles to run with or walk with, we're using a lot of our flexor muscles because we're sitting on our posterior muscles. So, of course, they're turned off. It's like the light switch is not on. So if we can get those revved up and sparked up through range of motion exercise, through dynamic movement like some of the drills that you're doing with the kids, wakes those up, then their efficiency, their running form is better. They're going to feel better. They're going to land lighter. They're not going to have that that compression, that torque, and that force of the 2.5 to 5 times their body weight coming down each stride. Hey, this is a contact sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? This is a serious yeah. contact sport. I mean, it's your, your whole body weight coming down. Absolutely. Multiplying itself every step. That. Sometimes we forget that, and it's good to go back to say, oh, oh yeah, wow. And that's why uh, I'm doing this series of running times. What I'm really excited about is we're calling it Simple Solutions because we're really going back and saying, you know, we did a series with Runner's World for a while, for like five years, 
uh, but we're going back and stripping it down again and saying, okay, what are the basic essence of what people need to get? And we're spending a lot of time in the last couple of series on the foot because we yeah. realize that the foot might be the true foundation, not just the core. Yeah. Um, and you, that, that kind of segs really well into, into what I kind of had as my next question. You know, where runners are, are pretty notorious for not stretching or not doing the little things. Absolutely. And, and, you know, getting out the door like, yeah. hey, I, I spent X amount of hours at work today. I've got, I've got kids at home or, or whatever, yard to do, totally. um, dinner to make. Uh, you know, I, I'm just happy to get a little run in. But, like, really, they need to be able to spend – 15, you know, whatever, 10 minutes a day doing something. What, what's what's the starting point kind of, especially because it's easy to open up one of your books and be like, whoa, yeah, you know, yeah. you've got 250 pages here of stretches. <laughs> it's, it will. It's overwhelming. It, it can be overwhelming. We, we've got a 10-minute routine that's fabulous that we have in our new DVD that's a really great, you know, because usually people think of things in time frames. It's like, okay. But maybe somebody doesn't even have one minute. Maybe, maybe the weather is bad and you can't even get down on the ground. So, you know, you can do the dynamic work where you're working that hamstring and then the getting the psoas to lengthen, activating the gluteal and quad and then bent knee, hip flexor, gluteal, bent knee, rotators, you know, swinging through the upper thoracic spine for the upper pecs and the chest. Little things like that to reset because if we think about it, if I've been sitting down in that chair all day here and I'm here and now the keyboard, the keyboard is so fast, the typewriter had resistance, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. It was actually strength training. Well, if you just squeeze your forearm right here, you can see your fingers go in and that's basically RSI or carpal tunnel syndrome or Blackberry thumb that a lot of us are getting or you know from the iPhones clicking around that kind of repetitive stress of doing this little small action all day without resistance and time intensity duration there's exercises we have in that first book to elongate those muscles so all throughout the day as a massage therapist as part of the work that I do in between working with people I've got to be opening up those fibers and doing little things like a roll up and squeeze balls to strengthen those those muscles that are small that are compressing on the nerves it's the same thing with sitting it's the same thing with postural dysfunction um, you know a little bit of the neck forward means the pelvis has got to go back to counterbalances mm -hmm. it's all action reactions basic physics and we think of things that way we start to oh you know what and then Okay, it's not the necessary evil that it used to be with stretching, static. Right? I was like, okay, I know I got to do that. Oh, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. It actually feels good to get yeah. that blood flow. And it feels more awake. Then you start to go a little faster or more efficient. Or you start to notice, you know what? I'm running a little taller. Or overall, I just have more energy because all that compression shuts us down also and sends those those receptors in the brain and we're not getting that uh, we're not actually getting the peptide hormones the right way we're it just the whole system's not working as well so these little things that we can do uh, pay big dividends and so we just invite hey if you have one minute will you take you take a rope or a dog leash you don't need to buy a fancy rope from us but you know hamstrings that's a big one use that quadricep bring the leg up and even a couple repetitions of bringing that leg up will just reset that hamstring 
and you see how each rep, it'll go a little further, and that alone can be like one minute of agonist working, antagonist relaxing. At first, it seems ballistic. You, when you see people doing it quickly, and a lot of people did that. They say, oh, yeah, I know the rope stretching. I've been doing it for a while. I got a rope, and they see them just pulling with the ropes. They've always got to remember that it, it's really the muscles that do it. It's not a fancy rope. You can even use your hands. You know, in the case of the glute, you can, as you cross over, you do use your hand. And that's a big one, the gluteal, because we get so much compression. You can do that one seated. You know, in a sitting position, if you're at work, a lot of times if you ever fly with me, if we fly to an event together, we'll, we'll do some stretches right there in the seat together. You know, little things you can do for the C-spine, the neck. A lot of times we don't even think about the neck, but if we get blood flow and oxygen here, we can relax the shoulder. We relax the shoulder and open the shoulder, then we relax the pelvic joint. So, you know, that idea of interconnectedness, it's not just a trite uh, use-all phrase, it's real. It really works. Um, and, and kind of real quick, we get a lot of our, um, we're obviously doing this on video, but a lot of our people, we also make it available as just an MP3. So a lot of our, uh, of our viewership or, or listenership yes. just hears this. So where can they, um, the demonstrations that you're showing, where, where can they find that? You, you've mentioned a DVD a couple times. What DVD is that? Absolutely. We have two new DVDs that I'm very excited about that I, I did with my friend Jay Johnson. And those DVDs are available on his website, which is runningdvds.com, our website, uh, wartonhealth.com. Uh, and the, the cool thing about these DVDs, and for those of you that are familiar with active isolated flexibility, we have new content on there. And we've broken it into a minute time frame. So we have, like, uh, we've broken the body, obviously, into five zones, as we have in our books. And most of those zones are available on a 40-minute routine. But we also have a 20-minute routine where we scale it down. So we have a little bit less of, uh, of some of the other zones. Then we have a 10-minute routine and have a foot-ankle routine on there. And then in the strengthening, uh, we never put together a, a strengthening DVD, and now we have that too. So it has all the zones in the body for the minor muscle strengthening that we do as a prep for the major muscle work as an injury prevention tool from recovery or performance, whatever uh, you're interested in or, or stage you're in at that point. So we're excited about those, and, and we're getting rave results with these uh, two new DVDs because they were filmed uh, with a, uh, a friend of Jay's who's a award-winning cinematographer in Boulder when I was there last year. So we're excited about those. But there's also a lot of free stuff on our website. There's a lot of free content, uh, introductions to our active eyesight flexibility. Some, uh, there's a great little minimalist running video that we did with the shoe company on minimalist running where it has all our foot ankle exercises for flexibility and strength to get you uh, uh, dialed into if you're going to minimalism and you haven't done the homework. And we see a lot of injuries coming where people jump into it and say, oh yeah, this is going to be the fix-all. And it's like, hey, you've got to do the steps. You've got to do the work. It's like anything. You know, I'm learning and as a new farmer. It's like, hey, it, it, you know, we reap what we sow. And, you know, we got to get through the weeds at first. Um, and so, you know, get through the hard work and then we see the benefit of, of, of the labor. So it's, it's just amazing when you start to realize that and you put in the maintenance work and you, you begin to enjoy the running more because you don't miss, you don't miss those days. Um, yeah. uh, now I'm almost 46. I'll be 46 in August. And at 45 years old, I'm running better than ever. I feel fantastic. I still run, uh, you know, at least six days a week. 
um, 60 miles a week or so, and I do all my weights, and I can I can jump into DC with my, my one of my old coaches, Matt Centrowitz, and get on the track with the guys, and 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 do workouts with the freshmen, and I I can uh, you know run five minute pace when I need to, you know. So it just yeah. it just feels good to be able to be healthy. My goal is not competition anymore. I'm helping people and busy with all that, but it, it doesn't matter what your goals are. You can reach those through being healthy. And being out of pain, and so that's why I'm so um, excited, and 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 I just love uh, the opportunity to share this with others. So thank you. Yeah, and we really appreciate it. Um, the the foot ankle routine you've mentioned a couple times. I stumbled across it actually on Jay Johnson's website. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, middle maybe middle of cross country season last year, and I'm a, I'm really cautious, so I wasn't. I was like, I'm not going to introduce this in the middle of the year. You know, we had. We had routines that we were doing, and I was like, I'm just going to let it be. Um, I did it on myself a couple times, and I was like, oh, this has to happen. You know, I need to work this in. Yeah. So track season rolled around, and uh, I don't know. It was, like, it was like the second week of practice, and I, for whatever reason, like we'd been stuck indoors, and I stuck indoors was a good reason to a good time for us to have done it. But we didn't because there were like there were, I don't know it was a lot of a lot of weird reasons why. It, so we get to the second week of practice, and I was like, all right, guys, um, everybody, let's sit down and, and let's take our shoes off. And they're like, Coach, what are you talking what? about? You know? <laughs> yeah. And so we we go through the one foot, and and I'm about 75% through. And, uh, you know, I was obviously, like, showing them how to do each exercise, so I was doing it with them. And we get about 75% through, and everybody starts whining, you know, coach, this is taking forever, like, yeah. it's cold, <laughs> my feet are cold, Yeah. this isn't doing anything. So so I had them stand up, and uh, after we finished the first foot, and I was like, all right, guys, if anybody can tell me, you know, let's just walk around real quick, you know, keep your shoes off. And then uh, you'll you'll let me know if we're gonna do the second foot. And obviously, you know, they all immediately they were all like, "Coach, what, what? No, we need to sit back down. We need to finish this. I can't even handle it." Yeah. You know, um, what led to? And you kind of mentioned that that was that was kind of a new a new line of thinking. Where did you guys, you know, when and where did you guys come to the conclusion that you know maybe the foot is a is a real base for keeping everything else working right? You know, it's our instrument, and, and 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 working with the dancers, the dancers really got it. And being in New York City for all those years, I was in New York for nine years, and working with uh, Judith Jamison and Alvin Ailey in the American Ballet Theater, and it's just like wow. We saw the injuries to the foot and how the dancers really tried to take care of their feet. And when we gave them this new tool, vascularity and strength, they were just blown away, and they took to it. And we started to think, wow, that's the same for our sport, running. That's our first line yeah. of contact. And we started to really implement this old-fashioned physical therapy for people. And we got uh, people pulling a towel down with a weight. You know, that simple exercise mm-hmm. from PT where you're pulling that towel and you're imagining you're sitting in a chair um, or a slick surface. And, and you'd be seated in a chair over top and you're pulling that. Well, we were pulling, you know, 65 pounds with, with one foot. Uh, with athletes and realizing, wow, we could develop a different lever. We were seeing vertical leaps increase, triple jumpers and long jumpers and, and basketball players. We worked with the Heat and the Knicks at the time and all these footballers and, and just amazing improvements in power as well as staying injury-free. And if that lever could have power to ground longer and have more propulsion, of course it's going to be better and more efficient. So. Amazing. We were seeing, uh, you know, 
changes in sprint times from the sprinters we were working with all the way up to the marathoners who had to put obviously a lot more footfalls down. So um, it was a real breakthrough for us uh, to, to, to implement that. And I think people are finally realizing that, okay, running is so simple. And that's one of the beauties, but also the downsides is, you know, running was a punishment. It was something everybody could do. But as we know from the elite level, when we break down the upper or whatever, not just use the word elite, but going for excellence, when you're going for your best, you're right. looking at all these factors at whatever level you are, and all these, it's the game of inches or the little things, as my coach Joe Walker used to tell me at University of Florida. He'd say, Phil, it's the little things that make the champions. And he was so right. Yeah. And so yeah. those little nuggets of gold, and these are the simple things that, you know, it just takes intention and, and dedication and focus. And you get into that, and it's like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot you can do to improve. And so, you know, me, I had to do it. I had to redevelop my feet. I had flat arches. That's a big part of back pain. We look at the feet. If the, if the, if the arch is what we call it, arch should be a spring or shock absorber. If it's not there, then the shock of walking, standing, running, any movement is going to dissipate up the kinetic chain into the knee joint, into the hip joint, into the SI joint, all the way up through the neck. So in redeveloping my feet, that's when I really started, you know, all the hip and all the trunk work started to come together. So I learned it from a young age on my body. And then it was really cool for me to be able to work with athletes and people in pain and still is. I'm still learning from people. That's the fun thing. Yeah. After all these years, nobody is the same. Every physiology is different. And we still start with that patient history and hearing what's happened and listening and listening and listening. And then I've tuned myself to listen to their body. And so I can, you know, and then teach them what's even more important is teach them how to listen to their own body. Like in your father's story, I think is the, is the more empowering story for me because there was no therapist around to teach him. You weren't around to teach him. He had to do it from a book or just simple exercise. So you have to make things simple because our lives are so complicated. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're, we're talking about the foot um, and a, a big issue, and it's interesting to me because you're starting to see there's, there's been a lot of this year, the, la the last 12 months really, a lot of even Major League Baseball players all of a sudden are coming up with plantar fasciitis. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I worked at a running store for a while, and probably every third person who came in the door, runner, non-runner, it didn't matter, were having plantar fasciitis, at least pain, you know, maybe not immense, like, I can't walk issues, but like, a little bit of pain and you know they'd be like well this you know I've got this pain on my heel and blah 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 and, and you're like well that, that's probably plantar fasciitis issues um, uh, you know and obviously run, at a, at working at a running store like our thing was like the power stat like we and we, we sold a ton of those or, right. or right I'm trying to think what are the other other brands but you know those hard you've got those hard insoles that are you know essentially over-the-counter orthotics and that's like that's the 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 running store solution for plantar fasciitis. Totally. Uh, um, and, and the, you know, cause it spreads the weight evenly over the foot. How do you cure plantar fasciitis instead of, instead of just treating it? How do you cure that? Yeah. And that's a, and that's a great question because it, it leads us to a bigger picture. You know, the first thing with an injury cycle is we want to look at what's the postural dysfunction you know and, and i think so just back up and this this dovetails to any injury and then we'll come back and 
and we'll get real specific with plantar fasciitis. But if you think of the alignment where we should be, Will, and I don't know if you can see me, but I'm just going to set up what I'm doing for those that can't see or don't have video. But I'm against a wall, and I've got my head against the wall, my shoulders against the wall, my pelvis against the wall, and my heels against the wall. And believe it or not, it doesn't feel natural because we live our lives in flexion. We live our lives forward. This should feel natural because this is in the anatomical plumb line how we're designed. We should be, you know, five degrees hyperextended. We should be, our pelvis should be neutral here across the, the C-spine all the way down through the thoracic and all the way down through the heel. So there's, a, there's an alignment. All throughout the day, because we drive mostly forward with those bigger muscles that we develop in the quadricep, and then we start to, you know, as people start to sit down in the bucket because they're already sitting in life, we're dysfunctional. We're out of alignment. So the first thing is we've got to stabilize that alignment through some type of corrective exercise, whether it be flexibility exercise, strengthening. Usually we find the combination of both is better because then we're looking at bigger pictures. It may not be that it's just the lower leg dysfunction. It could be driving from a shoulder that's out of alignment, and then that causes the hip. So, see, there's bigger pieces. And not to sound confusing, it's just when we look at the body as a whole, it makes it more simple, and then we break the cycle. So then what we do is we get vascularity in the case into an area. In the case, now we're going acute to the plantar fasciitis because all that basically is, Will, is we've got inflammation in that membranous tissue, in that fascia, where it's been overstretched. So in the plantaris, around the heel and around that arch muscle, the plantaris, it's been overextended because a lot of the support muscles weren't there. And that's why that first fix can work of putting an insert in there because it stabilizes. Because a lot of times with plantar fasciitis, we either have fallen arches, our arches are a little more concave, right? We're not getting the stability, or maybe we've worn a shoe that's soft our whole lives, right? And we didn't have, we don't have development there, or we had a shoe that didn't have a wide toe box, so that big toe's never been working, and the big toe is the one that really is your pusher when you're walking or running. So we don't have mobility there. So a lot of times, then the next thing we have to do is realize that hey that has to take too much of the weight or too much of the stress that plantaris or we're shifting our pelvis one side's a little bit hiked we see one one hip is so contracted and so we've got to unlock those muscles so that's where the flexibility comes in in the bigger picture but there's some simple exercises like if you're seated down on a table bent knee position you can use that uh, shin muscle, that tibialis anterior, just to bring the foot up towards you, and then you're allowing that deep soleus muscle, and that's what we talk about, the calf, as you press with plantar fasciitis, not just on the plantar fascia area where you're feeling the symptomatic pain, but if you simply go from your inside knee down, down that inner bone, and right where that calf connects, you'll see, wow, that's tight there too, where the soleus and outer gastroc, so the deep calf muscle and the outer calf muscle where they meet, usually there's trigger points, there's hot spots there. Because a lot of our uh, us in running, we're not really using our full kinetic chain. We don't have a full posterior stance phase back here. So we don't have that leg behind us. And so when we don't have that leg behind us, 
we're landing improperly or we're putting too much force on that calf. Calf loads up and it's just a lever. It pulls right on that plant all the way down the system. So we get lower leg problems or navicular issues or plantar fasciitis. So a fix for that can be elongating that first. So that bent knee calf, then you can even bring the heel closer to you for the Achilles and a little deeper into that area that's hard to get blood flow. The lower leg is furthest from the heart too. That's why people aren't recovering as quick. When we stand all day, the edema, the blood pools in there. So we have a lot of, of that old, old uh, um, blood that needs to come back through the system. Then you lock in at the knee and you can lengthen the outer calf just like uh, placing a rope or a towel at the ball of the foot. Use your shin muscles to bring your foot towards you. And, and now for those that can see, I'm just using the rope at the ball of the foot or metatarsal arch and bringing the foot towards me, but I'm using my body too, and I can lean into it and go deeper, and that's for the outer calf. So that would be the first step for elongating those fibers, and then you can lengthen the arch muscles too, the, all, some of that footwork that you tried from the video with some of your athletes that's on, on the website for free or in that DVD, opening up between the webbing. So you're getting all those other muscles in the foot that weren't working properly that caused more stress here. So somewhere along the chain, there was a breakdown where you felt the pain not be, may not be where the real cause was. It could be that the hip wasn't stabilizing on the other side. So what we invite people to do is look more globally, look at the whole system. And there are some markers that we look at for all athletes and runners, obviously, that we know, okay, we've got to have stability on that lateral hip because that's the big stabilizer of the pelvis, the glute medius on the outside hip. The inner thigh has to be strong. The glute has to be activated. You know, all those kinds of things have to be working so that the lower leg doesn't have to be stressed as much. Then you can take a simple, this is another high-tech device here, Will. Watch it. Here it comes in your living room. This is a simple tube sock that I'm holding up here, and in it I've got a two and a half pound weight, and, and so you can take that, and you can use uh, organic brown rice, see I'm getting in the food here for a second, um, you can use anything you want that, ha that you can measure, so like cans of food or something, and then off a high counter, you can place that sock between your big toe and first toe, wrap the sock around your foot and tie it. Then that lower, that, that weight is like a pendulum swinging directly underneath you. I'm kind of holding it up a little higher than I normally would, but off a high counter so your lower leg is relaxed. And then simply making a V with your lower leg, that's all those extensors and flexor muscles that form the arch. It's like a sling or what we call a half stirrup of all those muscles. The peroneals on the outside, the extensor digitorum that comes on the inside, the hallucis longus and brevis, um, posterior tip, all into the plantaris. You, you're strengthening all those muscles now. So that's a great little exercise. We have executives that I go to in DC that have a little secret box under their desk and they pull it out while they're on a conference call, you know, for a stolen moment of strengthening. And then those towel pulls that I was showing you are a great way to take that out. And then you can use a, uh, a, um, a muscle salve. We have this muscle salve that has anti-inflammatory herbs. It's really great. Um, but you can use anything where you get a little bit of a glide, but a lot of times something with a, um, with a beeswax or something with a um, arnica uh, in there that has natural anti-inflammatories. And you can do some self-massage in there too. So you can go in there. And what you want to imagine is 
it's almost like your hand is like a magnet. We see people doing a self-massage a little too vigorously and they distort the fibers. The fibers are already irritated, so you don't need to dig too much. You don't need right. to foam roll too much. Okay. The body responds to light introduction of elongation. Just like we learned with the flexibility, if we push too much, we overstretch. Same thing here, if you can use your fingers or your thumbs or your reinforced hands to go right along the bone, that's where a lot of the stress fractures will, will start to uh, 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 appear because a lot of the micro bundles will, will be there, the bundles upon bundles of fiber have come together at random and you can feel them kind of just kind of heat up and disappear, let go. And, and that's a great way to, to release this. It's like you're shunting blood. You're bringing new blood through the compression of the pressure. You're bringing new blood and oxygen to the area, just like you do with icing. It's the same right. concept. And you can go, so I would start here because what we tend to find is a lot of people will massage, massage, massage and rub out that plantaris, but they're not looking globally at the overall fixes of other areas that are weak that we're pulling, but they're also not releasing that outer calf and soleus and, and some of those extensor muscles on the inside. Then that whole calf opened up. Then you can get acutely around that ankle bone. We call the medial malleolus. Kind of go around there depending on where yours is isolated. So, so you can get more specific and more acute, but it's, it's, it's really neat once you learn the flow chart of your body and all the little things that your body's telling you, if it's constantly talking to me saying, you know what? That's painful. Every time I step out of bed, that's painful. Well, you know, I get up, I get some coffee, I get going, I get in the shower, I gotta stay in the shower five minutes more to heat it up. Not good. <laughs> Something, you know, so let's break that cycle and put a little maintenance in. So, oh, I don't have any time. Well, there'll be a time where you won't be running at all. Not to scare you, but it just it just is. It will happen. Why not? Let's open the scope here. Let's say, okay, no time while you're watching a show and winding down uh, from work at night. Ten minutes. You know, so yeah. if we look at the, we, we, you know, I work with an athlete or person in pain. We like to look at their global energy. I call it the energy pie. Let's look at your non-negotiable time, times that you've got to be at work and with family. Where are those stolen moments, those windows that we can put some good stuff in there, inject some good healing in there? And it's amazing. We don't realize where our time goes until we kind of look at it pragmatically and see, okay, maybe maybe I have some time for this. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was laughing a minute ago because I'm just as guilty as anybody about, you know, oh man, that's such and such has been bothering me. I'm just going to I'm going to let it heat up in the shower. I'll be good after that. We all are. And, we we want to go out and run. And yeah. You know, what we have got to do is we got to make sure the running's fun, it's healthy, and it, we're not overdoing it because we see it can go into the addiction of, oh, I've got a streak. I've got to run every day. Streak's not about excellence. It's not about performance. It's right. about the streak. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it depends on what you're going for. So you would basically, regardless of what the injury is, um, if if someone would be, you know, decides, okay, this active isolated stretching sounds really cool. I've never heard of it before. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. I'm, nothing else is working. I'm going to try to treat my injury with AIS. Right. Um, or AIF, active, yeah. active isolated flexibility. Um. The, they, they don't need to look at, you know, example, plantar fasciitis. I've got plantar fasciitis. How can I stretch my foot? They need to look at maybe 
How do I stretch from my waist down? We, we like to start the hip and trunk, Will, and that's a, great, that's a great statement that you made because a lot of the vascularity, the blood flow from the pelvic region, we want to release the nerves around the spine also. That's why chiropractic is so great because you go to chiropractors, oh, wow, release the spinal fluid, the spinal pressures and the loads that the spine had. So the pelvic starts to get free-floating. The pelvis was designed to float freely, to move in all planes. So we get that vascularity there, and we get the spine opened up. Then we get the nerve flow. Then the whole. Then then we can go more acute and specific. So a lot of times we would start somebody with a pelvic tilt, knowing that okay, we, we're going to be getting more specific to a shoulder or or, or a foot ankle later or a neck. But that's a you know that's a very good place to start. Then you start to say, oh wow, my whole body starts to feel better. I'm getting blood flow into that area. And then I'm getting some of that dysfunction that caused me to land too hard or to, uh, or, or to supinate or pronate, all these kinds of things that happen from, um, from the dysfunction. Yeah, absolutely. And then so it, it, that may answer my next question, which is if uh, you know, so, somebody's listening who doesn't necessarily have a specific injury right now, but they, they're like, you know, I've been trying to figure out what I can do to uh, pre- you know, more preventative work. Um, and, and, you know, last week, or actually, it got posted today, um, conversation that I had with, with the founder of Runners Connect, Jeff Gaudet, yeah. uh, where, and he talked a lot about, you know, Jay Johnson's general strength work and, right. and how that preventativeness is, is uh, you know, obviously a good thing to stay healthy. So same, same line of thought. Somebody is just looking for preventative work. Um, do they start with that hip and trunk section also? The hip and trunk's a great place to start. As runners, we tend to get focused on hip, trunk, back, and legs uh, and forget the shoulder joint. So the shoulder joint and we forget the foot ankle. But a hip and trunk, you can do a modified hip and trunk that we have in 10 minutes. That is a great starter for someone that's new to active isolated flexibility, is new to maybe corrective exercise, or new to ancillary work. Take a step back there. It's just someone that just likes to get out the door and runs. And maybe wants to say, you know, maybe a, a little bit of prevention will keep me in the game longer. And right. so that's, you know, so I would invite them, try some dynamic stuff. Try some of Jay's general strength. Work on some drills. You know, integrate a little bit at a time. Make sure it's scalable and doable. Because just like running, that doable stimulus, hey, if we start at the track and, we, and, and we're not in shape to do quarters in 65, we start at 65, we should have started at 80 and got down to 75 or whatever it was. Let's start with what we can handle, and then the body agrees with it. It's the same with range of motion exercise. A little bit goes a long way. So what we're seeing with, hey, people that get into a rhythm of butt, you know, the body is stressed every day. So they say, when, when should I do it? Well, we brush our teeth to prevent cavities daily. If we elongate the body daily, if we're putting it under stress, which we all are in some way, right. it makes a big difference. So building that into your regime will just – it just keeps blossoming, opens up new doors for you in terms of your enjoyment uh, of movement, whatever that may be. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, and th- I think you've written a book about it. Uh, what about nutrition? You know, where does that where does that play in? And you kind of you kind of mentioned nutrition a little bit earlier, but where does that uh, where does that play in as a as a runner and with with the active isolated flexibility and with the with the staying healthy? You know, you can't be one without the other. It's so huge that, you know, 
sometimes it's like we take better care of our cars than our bodies. We're used to say, okay, you know, I want to put high octane fuel in because it runs better. Now with ethanol and some of the extenders, we have to put additive in our engines out in the farm because our engines start spurting out. Whether we have a hedger or a, a tiller or, or the tractor, realizing that, okay, we're not getting the high octane fuels for our cars. We're not getting the high octane fuels for our bodies. If we think of food as fuel, and break it down simply. The chemistry has to be supported. There's basic things that we need. And so because of the fluorocarbons, because of the, uh, of the big pharma, because of chemicals, because of mass production, we've gotten away from uh, a, a really pure organic whole foods. And we've got to get back to that. And that's one of the uh, main reasons that, that my wife and I, Ellen, moved back to uh, the farm to help out her father and to be there and 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 to learn how to do the organic gardening that we're doing now and it's just been I've always grown up I've been lucky I grew up eating natural foods and eating organic so I've had that context and known how I felt and my energy levels and being able to to work all day and still run at that level is is you know I think a lot of that's because of nutrition you know take away even the flexibility strength nutrition really is a huge part of that um, and, and we, we see that people are getting more of an interest in it now. Um, the, the real superfoods do work. You know, beware of the gimmicks and the hypes of the sales, but get back to basic what we call peasant foods, simple foods that assimilate better in the body, that are easier to digest, um, you know, and you can't get enough fruits and vegetables. Even the food chain got changed. You know, the the you know the the USDA had, had has new markers now where they're realizing right. you've got to have a ten to fourteen servings instead of five. Of you know, okay. uh, it's it's just amazing the difference when you have those greens. Uh, I start every day with a with a green smoothie. I pick it right there. I have kale, collard, Swiss chard, spinach, and I put it right in the blender. And you don't need a fancy blender. You don't need to spend a bunch of money on that. Um, and you put it right in there and, and with some other good stuff. And it's just, it's, it's only one chemical compound away, chlorophyll from red blood. So you're enriching your blood every time you're getting vitamin K. You're, you're uh, helping the, the, um, the whole gastrointestinal system so you're, you're able to process the proteins. There is so much protein in green vegetables. Uh, I'm not saying you have to go vegan. You don't have to be any specific thing. Get good food. Know where you're sourcing. Get to know your farmers. Know where it's, you know, go and meet with them. Support them. They need your help. You know, this is a, it's a time when uh, we've got to get back to the land and, and not just uh, living off the land, but living by the land. Letting, you know, being stewards of the land and realizing that, uh, you know, the, uh, the forests are the lungs of, of, of our country, and we, we, we need that oxygen, and we've got to, we've got to support this, this movement of, uh, of, good, of good, healthy eating. And so, uh, you know, you feel the energy in your own body. You feel the difference. If you eliminate the sat fats, if you eliminate the refined sugars, simple things like that, make sure 99% of what you eat is real food. Simple things, sim those three things. Uh, drink lots of water. Four things. If you do those four things, your whole life is going to change. You're going to feel so much better, and you're not going to have that slump. You talk about five-hour energy. How about you know twelve-hour energy? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what I'm talking about. And and, yeah. and 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 I tell you, you know, 
you'll, you'll have to eat with more frequency throughout the day because your foods won't be as heavy. But mm -hmm. stick with it. And uh, we're seeing – it's amazing. When I go to the running camps, uh, the young kids are fascinated about food. There's a lot more resources from, from Food Inc. to the future of food, all these films. Uh, my friend Essie Esselstyn who uh, wrote the book of Prevention of Coronary Heart Disease, the diet that Clinton's on, the plant-based diet, uh, has, a, has, a, has a great new movie out, Forks Over Knives, where they've, where they've seen reversal. Uh, they've got the angiograms to prove it. So they go in, take a picture. Your arteries are totally occluded. You can take arterial plaque out in three weeks, and they've got the. He's got a 19-year a, a study, full compliance, showing that he was a surgeon for 35 years at Cleveland Clinic, and and realized that hey, we're missing the boat when we're only looking at the intervention. I'm not against major medical. We work hand in hand with the docs, but we've got to help the docs to do their job and take better care of our bodies. Uh, because that's the real healthcare reform when we look at ourselves. And so, no, I, I think it's a great question. Um, simple superfoods, the berries, are packed with phytonutrients, the color pigments. They have amazing qualities. You can go online now, you see the research. It's mind-boggling. The recovery in a raspberry for inflammation, a blueberry for, for mind power, a cherry for arthritis and inflammation. All these... Um, Nutrient-rich seeds are inside these these uh, action-packed uh, little modules of health. I mean, it's just it, it's it's amazing when you stop and say, okay, uh, what am I actually eating throughout the day? And, and we have athletes and people keep a food journal to start to see, okay, what am I actually ingesting? And it's it's scary at first, but then yeah, we start you know, then we start <laughs> to go through and say, okay. Maybe, you know, and, and, and someone like you, you're busy, you know, you're working on this site, you're helping people with the running and all that, and so you get out there, and a lot of times, we take care of others before we take care of ourselves, and, oh, yeah. you know, and especially as a coach, as a giver, and, and so I've noticed that the more I can take care of myself, I can be out there for people, and so nutrition is huge, and it's just all part of recovery. If we don't have recovery, we can't continue the running, so it's very, very simple, uh, but sometimes we don't think of it. We have to break it down and say, oh, yeah. you Because know, in the 70s, in the running boom, the first, you know, we didn't have as much of this data of the long-term effects of the standard Western diet. Mm -hmm. you know, so everybody's like, hey, you know, pizza and beer, we're good. You know, we're just going <laughs> to keep rolling. And you know, that can work for a while. And I'm not saying you have to be super strict, but there's checks and balances. Right. There's checks and balances. The body's resilient. It's amazing. It'll come back. It'll bounce. Yeah, I, I, I may or may not have had uh, McDonald's chicken nuggets for lunch. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, okay, some of our listeners may be, you know, college students who are, who are living in a dorm, eating in a cafeteria, or even, uh, you know, working people who, who eat out of their work, you know, their workplace's cafeteria. And so they're, they're not, you know, they're not given with a, a whole whole lot of necessarily uh, great options, right? You know, to eat on a regular basis, at least you know maybe one or two meals a day. They're they're pretty much stuck with what's presented to them, right? How, in a situation like that, where do you like? Where are the little things you can do with nutrition to to get, you know, to get more of those superfoods or or whatnot? If 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 you're in a food desert, if there's nothing available, and this is a case we have a lot of people in the U.S. Obviously, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the powders are a good option, the protein powders, the green powders, 
you know, a lot of these companies are pretty reputable now, and they'll 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 take some of this organic state, and they'll and they'll flash freeze it, and they'll or they'll cook it over low heat, so it keeps a lot of those antioxidant qualities in there. And you can supplement, so you can put it in your water, in your juice, if you have no time, and then you'll up your chlorophyll content. You'll up your good, healthy protein because we need those building blocks of protein synthesis. We need those 22 essential amino acids and they're more abundant in, in meats. But then there's a lot of other things. If we have too many meat, too much meat. So it's a lot of it becomes a source and a volume issue. Not saying that meat is bad. A lot of times it's source and volume. We're having too much of it or it's coming from the wrong source or there's a lot of chemicals and and all that stuff that's really that we're seeing causing a lot of disease and dysfunction down the road cancers and things yeah uh, is there a so that's a, that, that's a good way to do it. You can also, in a thermos, uh, like a water bottle thing, you can bring a smoothie with you. And, and you always have to have good food on your person. When you're busy, you always have to have a snack. A lot of times we'll have uh, nuts and berries or uh, a fruit or an apple, a banana, something portable, something that just goes in the gym bag. It's there. Hey, before I get too hungry, I take something in. An athlete, especially a young athlete or at any age, someone that's working and stressing the mind-body at the same time, every three hours you should be taking something in. Just a little something. Yeah, at least. yeah. And that concept of grazing really does hold. And especially when you're dialing in your biochemistry, when you start to say, okay, journaling, say, today, this, 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 I didn't feel so good, you're always your best taste cast, uh, test case. I mean... A nutritionist, as good as he or she may be, isn't inside your body, doesn't have that feedback loop. So as you have a feedback loop with your log and you're running with your coach, the athlete has to come to you and tell you, okay, I stayed up all night for a final. And, you know, if they don't tell you, then you're on the track and say, what's wrong? And I'm trying to give you the workout. So they have to back them off that day and come back the next day. So there's the idea of, okay, within the group, we have to see how do we – Manage and individualize. Same thing with nutrition. It's all about bio individuality. What works for one person is not going to work. That's why I say diets don't work. I'm very against the diets. I want you to find what works for you, and it takes experimentation. Uh, obviously, there's some you know red flags, and we want to minimize those red flags. And so uh, this is a caution food, and there, you know some say hey, this is my fun food. Okay. Do less of it. Cut back on it a little bit. That's a good start. Where, what would you say, you know, you mentioned powders. Are, are there any, like, these brands are really reputable? What, what would some, some examples of that be? Yeah, a guy like David Wolf, if you go to, um, he's got a raw food website. Uh, that's a really great resource because he impeccably sources all his products. Um, He's uh, written some books on health. You can just Google him up, and he'll come right up. I don't know his exact site, but he's yeah, really, we'll we'll link to that. Oh yeah, he's yeah, really I'm, a reputable uh, person. He's one of the uh, forefront of of a, of a raw food movement. And I'm not a, a big proponent of only raw, but it's just that he sources really well. Um, mm. Things like uh, Garden of Life is a good brand out there. Um, uh, they have um, uh, a product called Raw Power, and they have some greens. Uh, that are really good, and those are available at, at major health food stores like a Whole Foods or those kinds of stores. Okay, cool, cool. That's that's really useful. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, 
Well, I was looking at uh, my next question, and I never wrote the question. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, wrote a, I wrote a whole, like, build-up to a question, <laughs> and then uh, there's no question. But let me, I, let me see if I can figure out what I was trying to get there. Uh, you, you know, it, it's, it's pretty well documented, and you mentioned Runner's World and Running Times, and, and those, mention, those kind of talk about it a lot, and even on your website – uh, that you've intervened with a lot of professional athletes' careers and kind of stopped that injury bug. And you kind of mentioned that a little bit too. You know, stopped that injury bug, gotten them healthy, and then shortly thereafter, they're, they're out there running really fast and maybe qualifying for the Olympics or for a national championship team somewhere else, you know, whatever, whatever the case might be with, with whatever their specific goals were. What might be, you know, what, what, what are some of the, the coolest or like, like, biggest turnaround stories just off the top of your head that that kind of from over the years do you have any of those yeah um one comes to mind really quickly that my father and i were both involved with which is always great when i'm working directly with him with one of my friends joseph chibet did an interesting thing where in the 90s and i forget what year it was it may have been 99 but i don't quote me on the year anymore on this but <laughs> anyway he won new york and boston the same year which is really tough to do obviously yeah. And um, I was with Joseph a lot because I was part of Fila team, and so I traveled with those guys a lot. And um, he came to New York, and Dr. Rosa called us in, and uh, I wasn't traveling with him at the time. I was in New York, and they called us in the hotel, and he was so – he had been training so hard. When the doctor told him, okay, we're going to run an hour 10 in the morning, an hour at night, he was running an hour 20 to hour 30. He goes, oh, I'm using an hour 20. I'm using an hour 30. I'm going to be really fit. And he was living up at 9,000 feet at their camp in Capsite, Kenya. Eric Camayo's camp, which was the highest camp at the time, and they were the strongest. They had everybody. They were winning everything. And it was amazing. And he came. He was so shut down. His muscles were so de tight and debilitated that he could hardly walk. He came off the plane. And he was just like – he went into total shutdown. He, when everybody got out of bed, he was just like – I mean was, he could only take a couple steps. And so they, they withdrew him from the marathon. And we said, well, let's work with him every day. So we went over to his hotel room. Me and my dad, we worked with him for a couple hours, like three. We got three sessions in. Four, after the third session, you know what? He's starting to feel better. He went out for some jogs. He was feeling better. And um, then the um, day before the race, I said, okay, you know, we're going to put him back in. What do you think? He says, I, I feel better than ever. He started – all the muscles started to unload just through the musculoskeletal therapy, combination massage, the soft tissue, the flexibility. We're getting all the muscles going. And – he came back and ended up winning the race, and it was just amazing from coming, you know, in just like four days, uh, yeah. not being able to walk, and they, they were just <laughs> going to ship him back home and take him back to the Marathon Center and start rehab, and he was able to get a win in New York and a win in Boston that year, so that was a, that was a big one. Uh, I think yeah. I think Khalid Kanuchi was a big was a was, uh, Khalid's a, a great friend of mine. I spent a lot of time traveling with him and helped him break the world record twice. And and that that second world record where he came back into London when he was mm -hmm. totally debilitated and he had pulled that hamstring and been all over everywhere and, and, and nothing seemed to, to stick. And we 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 got it back and we were able to train again and uh, to get that record against 
the greatest race of all time, probably in the marathon to date, with Gabriel Selassie and Turgot, and, and yeah. being able to to outdistance them. And on paper, they were you know much better than Khalid, but yeah. he was so strong. And and to be able to be with him through that process was was really rewarding. And uh, and uh, I think on this 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 latest thing that I did with uh, my friend Lopez Lamong, who's always mm -hmm. he's such a great friend, and, and I'm just always touched by by his story and by his. Uh, just what he's overcome in life, and so uh, so we're great friends from that, and and we have a kindred spirit to to help people with a message of running beyond just running, and so he's been right. to 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 build schools and build churches back in Africa, and and, and something that I've really encouraged him to do, and and to to be with him in New York uh, to when he was breaking that American record was was huge, and he he contacted me a month before and said he calls me Doctor Phil, Doctor Phil, I need you there, and and so uh, got there, and, and, and he was pretty contracted and he was really fit. I knew he had checked in with Jerry at the training camp. They started their training uh, in October instead of usually Lopez starts late like in March because right. he, you know, he's just so talented and he did yeah. all the work and he, he was back to where he was in Flagstaff doing all his threshold and training with the marathoners and doing the 15 milers and so I knew that aerobic base was there and he had run that 351 mile so I knew that on paper I said everything shakes out on paper to break the American record but to have it all come together and his body was really contracted, and, and so we had to work for, uh, when he got off the plane, I was over at his hotel two days before the race, we worked for two and a half hours, bringing everything back, and so it was just a, a neat tour de force through all the stuff that, that, that I've learned over the years to put it all in one, then we get to the meet, and we just do a little super touch and work with him out, and he, his muscles are so developed, he's like a sprinter, you're working with him, and you have to, you have to use a certain modality with him, and, and he really responds to it, and then he got on there and just felt like a million dollars and to see him do that was really rewarding and that was in March. So that was a fun uh, recent recent thing that comes to mind. with Lopez. Yeah. Yeah. And th you know, those are obviously kind of, kind of extreme cases where you're, you're dealing with, with athletes who this is their job. So That's if fun. they need to spend several hours a day, sure. you know, working on it, that, that, that's what needs to be done. Okay. But you, you know, you, you shared a story where literally within a, within less than a week, you had a guy, uh, Joseph Chebet go from not being able to get out of bed in the morning yeah. to winning the New York City Marathon. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that that probably says a lot about the uh, benefits of you know just just keeping everything in balance like we've been talking about this whole time. That's right. Yeah, and it um, doesn't have to be about elites or professional athletes. It, you know, anybody can do this work. It's so simple, and it doesn't have to be applied by an expert or you know or somebody that's a supposed pioneer I mean it it's simple it's easy and it's out there for all of us and and that's that's really the gift yeah and which is awesome uh, and kind of kind of one of the benefits of uh, you know the books that you've written and the the DVDs that you're putting out and uh, you know are, are, are all of those, I think I looked, all of those are available on, on your website, right, yes. wardenhealth.com? Yes, yes. Yeah, we've got a little store there, and, and, and you can order right there. Um, it's real easy, and, and um, I usually, I'm, I'm usually riding my bike to the post office to put it in the mail for you, so I, I, I do all the products, too. So it's a, okay, cool. it's a family family-run operation, and we're small, and we just try to reach out and helping more people. That's the goal. Awesome. Yeah, that's... Um, we love that. Is there uh, is there anything else? Um, you know, obviously your website. Jay Johnson has some stuff on runningdvds.com. Are there other are there resources available from you that I'm missing? 
Um, let's see. The, the, the two websites uh, also have a, a website, philwharton.com, which has got some other information. There's some. There's there's a little self care center, which is really neat. Some of the charts that are from the books. We've also put together different charts, which some quick re quick release concepts for flexibility. There's a shoulder routine on there for strength as well. So those are good resources also. Uh, but um, you know, and we're expanding. That's one of the things I'm doing here at Cross and Crown with my friends here, the web developers, is, and they've allowed me to use this video conferencing center, so thank you to them, but um, they're going to help me to digitize and bring some of our work out of our books into more of a context that's uh, user-friendly for today's uh, you know, busy uh, um, um, technological world, I guess you'd say. Awesome. That's really, that's cool. To, we'll, we'll be looking forward to that, and let us know when... Uh... You know when those when when those resources are available, yeah. we'll definitely definitely we'll be we'll be pushing those to our listeners. And then kind of um, maybe as as a close to this fantastic interview. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, it's I've I've really enjoyed this interview. Me too. Um, what uh what what's the the coolest thing you've learned in the last year? What what, what might you think that what might you say that is? You know, Will, the, I think the coolest thing is, is, is being out on the farm and the, the, the blessing of um, living a simple life. I've gotten to uh, build my own cabin with uh, a craftsman friend of mine and his son and uh, built a 20 by 24 cabin that doesn't have any power. And uh, we live there now. Um, and it's just, uh, and we have a farmhouse close, so we're going between. But uh, it, 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 I've learned so much in being around these horses. We have. Uh, my father-in-law has six uh, draft horses, the breed's called Percheron. And I, I, I grew up as a kid in Mexico riding horses and then, you know, years go by and, you know, busy doing my stuff and, you know, it's totally separate from the horse world and then getting back with the horses. I've learned so much being around them, so much nuance of how they communicate and I've been studying about people that communicate with horses and trainers and um, and I've been working on our horses muscularly, and I've been training with a friend of mine, Don Duran, who's an expert. He's like what we are for people he does with horses. So when, okay. when a race horses down, you call Don, and he flies all over the world and does amazing stuff, and he's an oral medicine doctor, so he does acupuncture and herbs and soft tissue work with horses. But, uh, and so there's so much to learn anyway, but I'm learning a lot about what I do through working with them and one of our horses just got back from uh, learning how to how to till the ground, how to plow and so she's in a two horse hitch and she just came back from a trainer but she had some muscular issues and some bone issues, some musculoskeletal stuff from her uh, rear hawks and so I was in there working this last week and she was just this giant horse, this almost 2,000 pound animal was just giving me her back leg and showing me how she wanted to stretch it so unbelievable uh, as I was applying the salve and you know I'm learning the horse anatomy now and so it, it's fun to learn new things obviously and um, it's fun to always grow but it's helped me a lot in my therapy and, and being around horse trainers and horse trainers have gone from it used to be about breaking horses when I was a kid I learned how to break horses you get on them and you tie them and you know and now it's about joining up with horses and that's the same thing we're learning in therapy the less pressure, the less sometimes we do, the more we apply the right things, the more we take a step back and let the body do its own healing, the more, just the, the quicker the person comes back, 
the more transformative it really is because the body's doing its own healing. In soft tissue release, we used to press a lot deeper. Now we're using, learning the subtleties of the fascia, how it can be unwound. Just using that pressure I was talking about, it's more of an energetic touch. And so mm -hmm. I'm teaching people how to do that on their own, and they're getting amazing results uh, like we do. The body will unwind just from the intention, the power and the intention of being in that space that you want to help someone or you want to help yourself. So that power of intention, I'm learning a lot through the horses because the horses don't have a lot of the external uh, baggage that we do. Right. They're, they're in the wild. They're flight animals. It's visceral. They think you're going to eat them. <laughs> you know? So everything's immediate. So the feedback loop is very different. And I'm learning a lot of the subtleties of, of how to navigate in the universe through them. So that's, that's been a neat, neat thing over the last 12 months, I guess. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, listeners and viewers, uh, again, all, all the resources that we mentioned, we're going to link at runnersconnect.net slash RC30. So that's the letter R, the letter C, and then three zero. Um, Thank you so much for listening to uh, Runners Connect Run to the Top podcast. I'm Will Musto, and this has been Phil Wharton. Uh, have a wonderful day, and good luck with your run today.